want to design a house that celebrates the landscape without overpowering it. Mm. You know when Frank Lloyd Wright designed Falling Water in 1935? Yes, yes, that's all fine. I'm sure you'll do a great job. What I'm really worried about is the basement, specifically the laundry room. The laundry room? I require a laundry room of 15 feet by 15 feet. Stain-proof ceramic tile from floor to ceiling. I'm a man who likes to do his own laundry, and sometimes it gets messy. Messy? Messy. Steel chains will dangle from the ceiling at a height of nine feet, and that is where my laundry bags will hang for three days and three nights before I clean them. Uh, Ted, it, it, it kind of sounds like what this guy is asking you to design. It's a murder it's, house. It is. It's totally a murder house. You know, as a martial artist, I'm trained to trust my instincts. My instincts are saying this feels very good. This steak is so rare. <laughs> right? Right? One final concern. Soundproofing. I tend to make a lot of racket when I launder. I'll show you what I mean. I'm gonna go to my laundry room, and you tell me if you can hear me. Tony, does something feel off about this guy? Yeah. Off the hook. Bro, you were nailing this. Ted, you can't design a murder house! Ted, you can't design a murder house! Ted, you can't design a Come on, you fuckers think that just because a guy reads comics he can't purple shit? I'll fucking take all you are! Welcome to this week's episode of the Funny Books and Firewater Podcast. Omoshiroi本と、ashipodcastの今週のエピソードへようこそ。each week, a motley band of comic readers slash amateur bard tenders attempt to pair cocktails with comic books. All while trying to not sound like complete morons in the process. ファインディスイディアツオンフェイスブックトイッターインスタグラムエンドタンブラーこれらの馬鹿を検索できます。なお、ワン。ユリトゥメニーコミックブックス。ウェイナウジョインブライアン。キューアダムエンタッド。我々
a month away. It's so crazy to think that it's already um, a month away. I have two more costumes to build. I did finish Mazeppa. I've got, um, I'm doing Electra tonight, and then I've got to make fucking wings. Um, but anyway, and then... Fucking right, wings like the, the band? No. Yes, I'm going to be <laughs> fucking wings. Hey, even Paul McCartney said that was a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, White Christmas is in full swing. Um, I've, I've been meeting with my seamstresses, and I've got dresses are underway. I've been ordering a whole bunch of shit. Um, I'm really excited for this show. And, um, yeah, so if you are in the Southern Maryland area, you should come Read check out... Off. Yeah. Or even if you're not, just fucking come see the show. Um, it's gonna be. <laughs> you, know, you know I would if I could. Um, which P.S. P- yeah, so um, sorry that I'm taking up all of this time. I feel like I haven't talked in forever. Oh, good point. Um, so I actually this weekend attended my very first county fair. Oh wow! Um, I, it's it's a real big deal down here in Southern Maryland. Um, the the Charles County Fair. Um, I was drunk at the Port Tobacco Players picnic and signed up for a bunch of uh, volunteer spots for our booth uh-huh. <laughs> that we have. So I signed up for six hours. <laughs> and um, wow. so I manned our booth by myself for six hours. It was it was an interesting experience. Um, I got to meet a lot of our patrons, which was kind of cool. Um, a lot of people had really nice things to say about our theater. Um, the the so the three costumes that we displayed this year, I designed two and then wore one of them. Uh, one of my dresses from Hairspray and then two from 1776 were on display, and um, people were really excited to see them up close, which was nice. Um, a lot of people, when I made the reference, I'm like, oh, do you recognize me in the picture? Because we put a picture of the the costume from stage with the costume. And I'm like, oh, do you recognize me in the picture? And they're like, looking at all three, and they're like, no. And I'm like, I'm... I'm in the stress. <laughs> they're like, wait, what? And I'm like, hairspray? Hair, hair they're like, oh, you were John Travolta. And I'm like, no, I was divine. <laughs> yes, I love I'm like, no, I was, I was divine. I'll take Harvey Firestein, but no, ma'am. He's John doing Tra- um, Edna in the, in yeah. the new TV. Yeah, 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 in the new live I'm excited. TV. I'm excited for that. I'm Okay, so as much as I love Harvey Firestein, obviously, you know, I've seen and heard him do um, Edna. I'm actually really excited for Rosie O'Donnell as the lesbian gym teacher. I'm not even kidding. For those of you who don't know, the part is you, it was cut from the um, movie that, that they just did, but there is a whole um, dodgeball scene, and there's this super mean, crazy lesbian gym teacher who comes in, and um, when we just did it, my friend Tessa played it amazingly, and I cannot wait to see Rosie O'Donnell do it. It's like literally a bit part, but it's so amazing. I'm, I'm into well, it. We all know Rosie O'Donnell can be a bitch, so. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, that that's all. That's all? You sure? Yeah, yes. So, <laughs> I do have one question for you. Yes. At the county fair, did they have mutton busting? What is that? I don't oh, know no, what I don't that is. means. Mutton busting is when you put little saddles on sheep and then little kids ride them around and like it's like it's like a the bull riding event but for kids. It's like busting broncos but it's sheep. Um no, I I, I mean, there's I believe there's a petting zoo. I don't know. I didn't walk around the fair. Like I saw enough crazy fucking people. There was um from both sides of the um, election booth, there were people all over the um, like our area where our booth was, it was also like the political oh, building, and I was like, Ugh. 
Um, <laughs> so how many how many red hats did you see? <laughs> uh, first of all, girl, they were carrying the giant signs. I was oh, like, oh, and they were all white, and I was like, oh my god. And like and like when when I see like black people walk through, they'd like look at Trump people and be like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I, real oh good. God, I, I know this is gonna air weeks from now, and I'm sure everyone will have seen it. But if you haven't. Um, go to my Facebook page and go back about three weeks now uh, and look at the, the Daily Show did a thing where they sent a reporter yes. out to a Trump rally to Yes, everyone's been sharing that today. And they, the guys were blaming Obama for 9-11 because he was too busy playing golf and not being president at the time. Mike, you're, you're, you're exactly right, sir. He was not playing president at the time. He, he, he was not the president at the time. He was actually not the president at the time. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was, it, it's really funny. I mean, I... Obviously, they stage a lot of stuff to make it funnier than it really is, but I, I love uh, Trevor Noah. So, so anyway, sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to get political. It's all good. I actually saw my first red hat in the wild, because in Southern California, you don't see them very often. And uh, I was watching uh, football with our friend Christopher and uh, his boyfriend Andrew. Um, we were at a, a local restaurant, and some guy came in to pick up food to order, and we're like looking. It was this older dude, and I'm like, we're both like, is that seriously a red hat? Like, because like if it was a young guy, we'd think it was ironic, but it was like an old dude. We're like, oh, that's so sad. That poor senile old man. Like, but anyway. So, also a senile old man. Not really, Adam. I just needed to come up with a segue. Uh, it's Adam. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, it's me. I'm up here in Utah. Come read my stuff at Big Shiny Robot, and also hear me with uh, Board as Hell podcast with Andy. And we actually are working on doing a uh, crossover episode. They are um, possibly in the vein of mystery science theater, so that could be kind of fun. Keeping it up for that, but yeah, just uh, unfortunately the holidays are almost upon us, and that means my life is about to go to shit. So if I ever sound if I sound frazzled on these coming up, uh, you'll know why. And we have with us Todd. Hi, I'm Todd. I'm here in Utah. You can find me on the Funny Books and Firewalker Water podcast. <laughs> That's about it. Um, I've been busy trying to push a roof back down at my work because there was a microburst that lifted it right up. That's been interesting. Yeah, when you sent me that picture, I thought you'd had an explosion in the building. No, no, it was um, the storm system came through and there was swirling clouds above because like a real dumb shithead I am. It's like, oh, the roof's coming off. Let me run outside and look at the weather. (laughs) Huh? So, and it was right up there. I mean, it was swirling all about. It was kind of like that sequence from Ghostbusters, and you've got mm-hmm. Zerg coming down and just swirling around the building. It felt like that. And I'm like, holy ah. crap. Yeah, I called my landlord, and he's like, dude, my building. Roof's coming off. It's like, it's not designed to do that. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> the roof is not designed to come off. Good, good advice for life, really. Good advice. <laughs> However, I've got a monstrous skylight. And a lot of customer stuff over here. I need help. All right, so that's me. Uh, yes, and uh, and then I am uh, Brian from Southern California with nothing interesting going on. However, I do think I saw Mama June yesterday. I'm like 90% sure I saw her. Have I told you that I went to their house and I met Pumpkin? What? Oh my, oh my God. So I think it was two years ago now, um, me and my friends who live in Atlanta, we were doing a road trip to Savannah, and on the way back, they were like, um, we should totally go drive past the Honey Boo Boo house. And I was like, you mean there's like a house? And I'm not kidding. They do live right there on the railroad track. So anytime they're like, train, train. <laughs> <what> mean. <laughs> so, anyway, so we pull up and we're just going to do like some selfies in front of the house and be like, ah, ha, ha, so funny. And Pumpkin saw us through the window and came out and started walking the dogs and be like, hey, y'all, how y'all doing? And like, <laughs> was talking to us for, for a while. And 
She was like, yeah, everybody's out right now, but, you know, we love when fans stop by, and I just want to come out and say hi to everybody. And we took our picture with her, of course, and she was walking this random three-legged dog, and she was like, yeah, we found this dog. We don't know where it came from, but we started feeding it, so it's ours now. And dinner tonight, <laughs> some skinny and butter. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, so my my favorite favorite honey boo boo scene of all time, which I believe was still from Tears and Toddlers or whatever the the first show was. She looks at her mama June. And she goes, "Mama, I'm feeling chunky today. I'm just not feeling it." And she's like, "Well, you better lay off them chicken nuggets. I told you." <laughs> and just honey boo boo. She she like looks at the camera. And she says, "But." I can't. And just like puts her head down and there's an amazing gif of the same thing. And so it's just like, but I can't. But That's the, the gif you sent me when I uh, when I put, told everybody, hey, I think I just yes. saw Mama Jew and I'm like 90% sure I saw her. Uh, that's what you sent me. Which yeah, of course, awesome. but I can't. I can't. Oh, I, I love know, it. I love see, it. I'm just a big fan of, I, I never actually watched any Honey Boo Boo aside from the South Park stuff, but uh, my big thing is the Chubby Bubbles girl. You guys have seen her, right? <laughs> Chubby Bubbles Girl. <laughs> no, I got nothing. I'll, I'll post a link in our chat. It's basically, just, you know, I mean, you'll, once you see it, you'll know what it is. But it's this little, little chubby girl in a yellow rain slicker, and she's like running away. And oh, that girl. Okay, yeah. I know what you're and talking about. Like, you know, they put a flare in her hand, and then she's running from the T Rex in Jurassic Park. She's running from Jared from Subway. Oh, yeah, okay, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's my buddy got. I, I didn't know it was called Chubby Bubbles until like, well, I knew her forever until my buddy's like, oh, it's Chubby Bubbles. I'm like, who the fuck is that? I'm like, oh. The meme I've been sharing for the last six years, so. Honey Boo Boo, what you gonna say to them judges that your pig hot? My pig hot makes me sweet as bacon, child. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. We're going to hell for various this is, this reasons. Is why Trump's going to win. Yeah, welcome to the evidence of why we're going to hell. This week we are doing Johnny the Homicidal Maniac because we are in the midst of our uh, Halloween spectacular. I have been avoiding using the very cliche spooktacular. You're all welcome for that. It's in spooky vision. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm, I'm avoiding all that. But we are trying to uh, hit lots of uh, uh, Halloween-y kind of things. And this was uh, something that uh, I thought Q would actually maybe read. Um, he'd probably hate, but he might read. So anyway, we are reading Johnny the Homicidal Maniac from Johan Vasquez, and I'm looking for a publication date and all I can find in oh, my copy. Mine yeah, says they, 97. Yeah, I have 97 on the intro, so we're going to call it 97 and say that's when this came yeah, out. Yeah, that's when the... the well, we, we have the director's cut, which has yeah. the whole thing, uh -huh. which, which actually is... I mean, I liked it a lot, but there's a lot of words. <laughs> it, it is. It's I, I, And Adam and I had this conversation offline. I had the same issue where... I, I took basically like four or five days and read it. Like there's seven sections of it. I would maybe read two at most in a sitting. Um, whereas a lot of other trades I can just sit down and plow through. Uh, this one, also I feel like if you read it too much, you start to feel a little crazy, which is probably the, uh, the intended consequences of the book. Um, but yeah, so uh, anyway, so um, what we'll do is we will give you a quick little preview, and then of course, uh, if you want to pause and uh, read it, or if you haven't read, I mean, if you haven't read already and you'd like to pause and read it, you can do that. Or if you uh, have no intention of reading it, want to plow through, then you know you can not press pause. But we press pause, we'll wait, we'll hang out, and then uh, when you come back, we will get into uh, spoiler territory. Um, there really isn't a whole lot to say about this book because mainly a lot of it's fairly segmented. It doesn't get 
a real plot going on until about halfway through the collection, if that sounds about right to anybody else. Uh, it's a lot of vignettes that are showing A lot of vignettes. A lot of it's like a single page, maybe two pages at most. Um, I think a lot of this came from a, a magazine, if I remember correctly. They were kind of individually published in, like, a magazine. But basically it is about um, a homicidal maniac who uh, lives in suburbia, somehow keeps getting away with murder. Um, he has, uh, you know, he talks to voices in his head, which take the form of some... Uh, like a little Pillsbury Doughboy that he's painted. He has a poor little next door neighbor named Squee, who uh, is like this small Squee. child who is the only person who seems to be aware of the fact that he lives next door to a, uh, a homicidal maniac. There's a lot of condemnation of uh, society, pop culture, even goth culture, which is pretty funny and self-referential in it. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it's it's funny, it's bizarre, it's weird. There's a lot of stuff to be read in the margins. Um, a lot of times the borders around a page actually have stuff hidden in it. Sometimes it makes sense, sometimes it doesn't make sense at all. Uh, but uh, it can also be very, very interesting. Uh, but also, before we let you go, Adam and I have been working on a drinking game for this. So if you haven't read it yet and you would like to read it with a drinking game, we have one for you. Yes, um, I, I did try it and I, I had to be careful because I actually had to go drive later that day. So I had yeah. to kind of pace my drinks out, but the uh, it, it works pretty well, actually. I was, I was pretty happy with it. Okay, good. So... And now for sports. Fanning the globe to bring you the constant variety of sports. Listen up, sports fans. The thrill of victory. Prepare yourself and your liver for this week's drinking game. And the agony of defeat. Remember, it's only a game and a dumb one at that. So don't take it too seriously. And above all else, please drink responsibly. The human drama of athletic competition. Hey, somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hat and a red shirt. Rule one, the drinking buddy rule. Uh, which means when Johnny takes a drink of one of his brain freezes, you get to take a sip as well. Now he takes off the shirt. He's running down the middle by the 50. He's at the 30. He's bare-chested, banging his chest. Rule two, the it really ties the room together rule. Whenever uh, the painting of the red wall is mentioned, take a drink. Now he runs the opposite way. He runs to the 50. He runs to the 40. Rule three, the oddly profound rule. Which is when Johnny has a rare moment of clarity, you should be punished, so take a sip. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. Rule four, the am I a bad person rule. If you find yourself agreeing with Johnny's motivations for killing someone, it's time for you to take a sip. The 20, they're chasing him, they're not going to get him, leaving his arms, bare chested, somebody stop there. Rule 5, the voices in my head rule. Every time you catch yourself reading the voice of Johnny in the Invader Zim voice, take a drink. Look at the police, they've surrounded this man like he's, like he's just robbed a bank. And our final rule, the one tequila, two tequila, three tequila, four rule. If you find yourself twisting the book to be able to read it, finish your drink. I hope it was worth it, my friend, because you've got a night in the clink coming up. So that will lead to hours of enjoyment, potential liver problems. Please drink responsibly. Don't really actually follow the rules that we follow so strategically that you're going to die uh, because we like you and we like you back. But if you're looking for something interesting to do when you have no other obligations because, hell, you're listening to a comic book podcast, you might not have any other obligations, you know, go for it. Yeah, and as a reminder, uh, Lyft and Uber are cheap. Please be yes. responsible. <laughs> yes, please. Please, please. Be responsible at all. Oh, my God. <laughs> that, that, that. <laughs> But you know you're podcasting when the phone rings because it never rings a cute house otherwise. It never, never. <laughs> in fact, this, this phone literally hasn't rung in days. 
Uh, who calls the house? Well, the funny thing no is, one. back in the day, like the reception in your house for cells was so terrible. Yeah. So I used to, I got so used to calling the house that after a while, I called him back one point. I called the house, and people were like. Like, they were almost shocked to answer the phone, like, who the fuck even knows this exactly. phone line anymore? Well, so back in the day, we had T-Mobile, and, um, because it's what my dad had for his work phone, and his phone could literally call from Siberia, but could not work <laughs> in our house. Yeah. So we eventually switched to Verizon, and so all of our cell phones work, but it's just like, who calls the house? Yeah. Nobody. So, I've never actually had a landline, like, personally. My parents have them, obviously, but I've yeah. never actually personally had my own and landline. And see, what's funny is where I live, um, with our rent, all the uh, DirecTV, internet, and uh, actually a landline goes through part of our rent. So we technically have a phone number. Uh-huh. Um, I don't own a phone. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I ever will. I mean, I, I guess, technically speaking, if you walk up to the gate and type our... Uh, Apartment number, and we can buzz you in because you know we have a gated thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I I don't know because I never I don't want to go to the DI and buy a phone. So yeah, because like it's, Girl, it's you should get one of them rotary phones. It'd be real oh, classy. Like trying to find a phone in general is ridiculously difficult. Actually, like, people donate right. them to our thrift store all the time. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like phones, but I mean, use them as children's toys. Oh, so I have a funny story. So a friend of ours. Uh, oh my Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> no, so, uh, you know, we have direct TV, everything built in, and then our, our my buddy Shannon, uh, we, we ran into him at uh, Smith's a couple, about a year or two ago, and I'll never forget the story, because he just moved into his new place, and he got Comcast, and they do, like, the triple thing, where you get the internet TV phone, mm-hmm. and he was pissed, because he had to go to the DI and buy a phone to plug it in, because the only way you can set up your account with Comcast, apparently... It's through the is, landline. ...is you have to call in through the landline once to get your account. <laughs> you, can't do, you can't pay your bill. You can't do anything unless you do that. And he was so fucking pissed. He's like, I don't want to buy a fucking phone. I don't even care about this. And I think he had a bad day at work, because, you know, his, yeah. he's has a horrible job. But it was just yeah. really funny. I was like, are you serious? In this day and age, you have to have a fucking landline to set up your Comcast account. Modern technology kids, yes. Yeah, someday our kids will listen to this and go, wait, what's a landline? I have no idea. First of all, when we, last year I did our kids camp at the theater, and so the props lady was, you know, talking about props and whatever, and um, she brings out a phone, and the kid's like, I know what that is, and totally did not even know what that was, <laughs> he had no idea how to, she's like, okay, well then can you show me how to use it, and he's had no idea. It was, it was hilarious. There's a running gag that a kid saw a floppy disk and asked someone why they 3D printed the save icon. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> okay, and with that, uh, we're gonna go. Uh, we're gonna do shots. We're gonna take a, a pause, and uh, we will join you on the flip side. If you have yet to read this week's book and would like to read it now, press pause. Go ahead. We'll wait. I literally, I poured my tumbler, my flamingo tumbler full of vodka for this today. Ooh, Ooh really? Yeah. It's Is rap- that a good sign or a bad sign? Raspberries. <laughs> Raspberries. That's actually, that's funny because I didn't realize this till the other day, but uh, a friend of ours likes to, uh, she pours, she makes a drink with vodka and then cuts it with wine. I mean, hey girl, get it. One of my favorite drinks is a Stoli Boli. What is a Stoli Boli? I've heard of it. For, well, yeah, of course you've heard of it because it's AppFab. Stoli Bully is when you um, take Bollinger uh, champagne and you pour oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, Solichnaya into it. It's real good. So my favorite Stoli Bully story is um, when I was in the play Chicago 
we were, I was, we were at the opening night cast party which was hosted at her director's house. And she had bought champagne, and she had these very fancy champagne flutes out for everybody to, to do. And I, of course, brought a bottle of vodka, because I'm classy. And you're cute. And so I was making making myself stoli bolis. And as the director was getting more and more wasted, she would go by and steal people's champagne and down it. <laughs> and so she did it to me three times. Oh, shit. And I looked at her after the third one, I said... Honey, you know that I'm not drinking champagne, right? <laughs> and she like looked at me like all like kind of cross-eyed. She was like, "What?" And I'm like, "I'm drinking a Stoli Boli. This is vodka and champagne." And she was like, "Wait, what?" And I was like, "Yeah, so good night." And I'm gonna go make myself another one. Yeah, she drank th- three of mine. It was hilarious. Adam, I now want to hear. I mean, you do a lot of karaoke. I want to hear your best Celine Dion impersonation. Oh, God. my No, my balls dropped a long time ago. I can't do that. <laughs> you can't do it anymore? I'm the best singer in the world. And she married an old French dude, if I remember correctly. Hey, yeah, she, she loved did. him, and she took care of him while he passed away. Yeah, that's true. She was she, the, she's, she's a good person. Oh, so, so one of my friends, he loves to go, at, he loves to go take a dump at work. While, um, like, right after the janitorial people come through and clean it, oh, because it's the best time to go. Yeah, and 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 he's and so like anytime he does that, he posts and because like, we have a private Facebook group, uh, my circle of friends, and so he'll always post a Celine Dion song when it happens because he's just like it's just so magical, and and, and, it's, and it's, it's always just like the power of love. That's the way it is. I drove all night. And see, my and I just go on Twitter and post. I'm gonna wreck it. <laughs> Boys and girls, if you see that now, you know what I'm doing. <laughs> oh my word. Dig in hand. More information than I needed to know. Um, <laughs> we're a classy so, bitches, really. Anyway, so... <laughs> well, between your tumbler of, of vodka and my... I'm actually doing a weird coconut rum thing kick them on, so... Do we want to just do cocktails now? Sure. sure. I will start if I can look it up fast enough, unless somebody else has theirs on the ready. So, reading this and my general impression of it from my cocktail is, though I must say it's... I really took to this as Calvin and Hobbes that went really weird on SSRIs and then became addicted to and became a tweaker. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so SSRIs went awry and he became a tweaker, and this is what Calvin looks like now. Because he's even nailed his stuffed animal to the pole. Okay. But still talks to him nevertheless. Yeah. But no, it's um I'm gonna go with the cherry vodka and Red Bull. Yeah, okay. it's got to be a super red drink, and it's just a lot of uppers and a lot of vodka, and it just really messes <laughs> you up to get in the mind frame here. Okay. So, yeah, as I read this, he's just upset with the world, and he drinks it, but it's got to be red or black. But Do you have a name for this cocktail? Well, let, let, let's call it, yeah, the Calvin and Hobbes. I'll just call <laughs> it the... How about the Calvin? We'll call it the Calvin. The Calvin? It's just the Calvin. <laughs> Okay, we can do that. Yeah, so I I just made mine up. So I thought that um, someone would have made this up by now. So it's also an Adventures in Babysitting reference. Nice. But it's called um, Spike Your Tab with Drano. (laughs) Um, Because obviously, you know, this is about killing people. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what's the... I I also thought about making a... um, a uh, eat a brain tumor mm-hmm. kind of thing from Heather's, but I that was too much work. So it's just two ounces of hypnotic because it kind of looks like Drano, and whatever cola of your choice is Coke, Pepsi, Tab, RC Cola, nice. or or if you're a, 
a very classy person from the East Coast, not a Safeway. You can get some select cola <laughs> um, from the Safeways. And um, so you pour two ounces into a tumbler glass full of ice, fill it with cola, and try not to die while drinking it. Yay! <laughs> Um, and I have mine. Mine is uh, based on the drink that Johnny the Homicidal Maniac drinks in the, the thing. He's sort of obsessed with a Slurpee-type beverage, obviously a parody of Slurpees, which is called a Brain Freezy. So that's what I'm calling mine. Um, it's actually a drink called the Homicidal Maniac, but if you blend it all together, it becomes a Brain Freezy. Yeah. Um, so basically what you do, you take a uh, blender, fill it with ice. You're going to add two ounces of vodka, two ounces of peach schnapps, uh, two ounces of cranberry apple juice, and blend it together, and uh, enjoy a brain freezy. Um, that sounds amazing. I know, right? That sounds so good. That does sound good, yeah. Uh, that is the brain freezy. Adam, do you have a so cocktail? So mine is the Red Wall. Okay. And actually, it's kind of fun because the uh, the main type of rum in it is called Red Rum, which it comes in a really cool red coffin-shaped bottle. Uh, it's kind of hard to find in Utah, though, so you may need to import some from Evanston. Uh, okay. But you do uh, an ounce of that, an ounce of Malibu rum, an ounce of Bacari Limon, and then you do three ounces of cranberry juice, three ounces of pineapple juice. You shake it up, and then, uh, oh, and then you do a splash of grenadine to get that nice extra blood red tinge. So it's kind of like a, a rum punch, but it's really, really tasty. It's a really weird reference, but in, does anybody remember in uh, uh, Mary Poppins, when, uh, when she, Mary Poppins is tasting um, like the... Uh, or the, the vitamins, the, and it's all the, the other vitamins, and she's like, it tastes like rum punch, and like I didn't realize what that was. And I'm older, I'm like, wait, is Mary Poppins an alcoholic? Like, which would explain why she's jumping into paintings and whatnot. Well, you know, she time. had to be putting up with those little bastards. I know, right? They're little sons of bitches. I still like, I still like that one meme of her floating away on her umbrella. And she looks back. She's like, nope, fuck this, I'm done. <laughs> Have you seen the death metal version of Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious? No. no. Oh, I'll have to send it to you. It's pretty awesome. I might, I might throw it on this recording. Just you know. I, the so one thing I will say, I, I wish I would have done now. In hindsight, was uh, years and years ago. I think before I met any of you guys, I was visiting my family in California, and it was Eddie's first time ever going to Disneyland. And while we were there, they made an announcement that Julie Andrews was going to be there signing copies of her book. And we were oh, nice. going to go, but we were in line for, like, Tower of Terror or something like that. And uh -huh. we didn't. And now it's like, damn it, I could have gone Lisa High and, you know, yeah. gotten the book signed. But it was, you know, 10 my, years ago. So, you know. My Julie Andrews story is I twice, like, I worked at a theater company in Connecticut. And I just missed the two times she worked at that theater company. Because she had directed a show just before I got there. And then I quit. And then she directed a show that, that, uh, that winter. But uh, she, uh, like, she had an assistant with her when she was directing the show, and they were in a production meeting, and they just happened to mention that it was like my boss's birthday, and so she's like, tapped on a book, like on the on like the calendar, and her um, her assistant wrote down. So then, like on his birthday, she got, he got like flowers and a nice card from Julie Andrews for her Aww. birthday. I'm like, like she was like really thoughtful, really cool. Like everybody who worked with her just thought she was the most amazing person ever. And now she's dead. I think she's still alive, isn't no, I'm she? Kidding. She's alive. I'm like, <laughs> I keep waiting for them, but I'm pretty certain she's still alive. Anyway, we'll get into Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. So the first way I became aware of this book um, was probably, let's see, this came out in 97. It probably would have been about 2000. So about after it was about three years old. The book was, not me. But uh, I had probably one of the craziest of my ex-girlfriends ever um, who, uh, who uh, had the nickname of Crazy Ass Cassie, if Q remembers her. Yes, I do. Yeah. So she's the one who introduced me to this book. Which probably is fairly telling now that you know about Crazy Ass Cassie mm -hmm. and this book. Um, so, uh, yes. Uh, P.S. And by the way, all of my ex-girlfriends have nicknames, and most of the time those nicknames are given to them by the next girl I dated, which is also pretty funny. 
Uh, so but they were all crazy. They were. They slowly got less crazy as I got older. And, uh, you know, my wife, I would like to say, is mostly not crazy. I mean, she's got the standard girl crazy, but, you know, that's that's kind of what you come to expect. I just really like her. I do, too. That's why I married her. But, you know, mm-hmm. there is the standard amount of girl crazy. There's a standard amount of guy crazy, too. So, um, that is also- uh, my friend Adam, his, I don't I haven't talked to him in years. His girlfriend, like, uh, I didn't even, like, explain anything about how crazy what she was to a friend of mine. Uh-huh. But then one day we went over cause, uh, to his house and picked him up and... We walked out, and after she was there, and my buddy's like, dude, she is crazy as fuck. I'm like, she didn't even say anything. He's like, nope, but I could see it in her eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Jess and I were watching the episode of How I Met Your Mother with the crazy eyes, and she's like, is that a real thing? And I'm like, it totally is. And she's like, do I know anybody with that? And I just go, I just mentioned a singer that we were working with at the time. She goes, oh, like that that girl, like you look her in the eyes, and you're, you're not quite sure who's driving. You're like, um, Okay. Right. So girls, ha- girls have the craziest things. You've brought that up a few times, yeah. but guys definitely have like the asshole eyes. Okay. Like um, there was one. So um, my one of my dear best friends, I won't mention her by name, was dating this guy for a long time, and like every time I'd come home from college, she would she would call me crying because like he'd broken up with her uh-huh. that day or whatever. And this one, this went on for a few years, and. Um, I, he never wanted to hang out with me. He never wanted to meet me. Uh-huh. He was a giant D-bag. But anyway, so one year for New Year's, another friend of mine who from college, whose name was Carrie, um, she was, just happened to be in town for New Year's, and I was like, oh, hey, I'm going over to, to my girlfriend's house. Why don't you come with? You know, we can hang out, and, you know, if it's, like, really lame, we'll go do something else. So we go over to to our my girlfriend's house and the dude literally lasts five minutes before he just goes upstairs and she Carrie looks over to me she's like so this guy's like an asshole right does he treat right and I'm like no not really she's like I could just tell he's got those asshole eyes <laughs> and I was I was like oh, okay yeah eventually she she broke up with him thank God and um, is now happily married with two kids and all lovey and wonderful but yeah that, oh, that guy was such a douchebag. His name was also Adam. Oh, God. But, yeah, but his name was Adam, and he was an asshole. In fact, I believe we call him Adam the Asshole now. So. <laughs> God, there's a bunch of asshole Adams out there, but you got him, you got Adam ruins everything. Um, I mean, I, I think it's just the alliteration of the A's. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there's some Adams who like assholes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's also true. So, anyway... Johnny the Homicidal Maniac, as we have had the most <laughs> random side noted episode ever. Warning. You're entering spoiler territory. Don't say I didn't warn you. Yeah, basically it's a book of, uh, of a, a serial um, um, serial killer basically killing the people you would want to kill. Like, Some of my favorites is when he captures and tortures a guy for uh, talking in a movie and being obnoxious on that. Oh, God, yes. Um, Um, I I had to finish my drink at that point. Yeah, it it was... You're like, yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, Yeah, so basically what you're looking at is is it's a a book of... um, You know, it's anybody who's kind of... I mean, I think ultimately... As much as we've all kind of felt like, you know, a little bit of freaks and outcasts, I think that's a universal experience for everyone. At some point in time in their life, they kind of feel like the outcast, like people don't understand them, that kind of thing. This is that little evil thing in the back of your mind where you say, you know, I'll get the best of them and, you know, or whatever. Like, I'm sure Q has always been pure and never wanted to do any harm to anyone, but some of the rest of us, um, you know, have probably had thoughts of, you know, it'd be really nice to murder them if I was never going to get in trouble. And that's kind of what this book is about. At one point in time, uh, where the plot actually develops 
is uh, he actually ends up killing himself. Um, and at that point in time, you kind of go, well, how does this book continue? Because we're a little over halfway through the book and he kills himself. So he ends up going up to heaven, but he doesn't really quite fit in, in heaven. And he ends up going to hell and doesn't quite fit in in hell. So they basically send him back to life. So now he uh, he ends up having a uh, band-aid on his head to say that he has been dead and has come back. And then he continues to uh, torture and kill and maim. And then he uh, decides that he's going to kind of, you know, maybe uh, back off for a while. At one point in time, there's a few people who uh, almost escape from his uh, his dungeon of uh, of torture and uh, and pain, but of course are then sucked back up by like sort of like a HP uh, Lovecraft kind of creature, which is a little random and haphazard. But the book doesn't make a lot of sense in general anyway. Does that seem pretty consistent with what everybody else read in this book? Yeah, and, and then the the end of it all is that he he decides that he needs to leave and go somewhere else because. His, uh, his little talking head, his talking voices in his head that have come to life are now dead. But then the new one, the Bob's Big Boy guy, comes up and yeah. says, no, you need to give in to your feelings. And he's like, no, I don't want to feel anything. So his goal is to go off and basically rid himself, basically become a Jedi, rid himself of yeah. emotion. Yeah. Um, but I did love the one thing before we get too far was when he goes to hell, how hell is just a pretty much normal city. Yeah. But everyone hates it because they get pissed off their own thing. Like one lady gets all crazy because she's got lint on her coat. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the funny thing is, is that hell is almost a better place in this book in a certain extent than heaven is, because in heaven, everyone's basically sort of a mindless zombie uh, to a certain extent. Until they and, start blowing each other's heads up. Yeah, but that was partially because Johnny ap- uh, 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 appeared, uh, which is probably what would happen if I ever got to heaven, as I would just cause people to start blowing up their own heads. Anyway, it's kind of weird. It's kind of hard to discuss an actual through line for it, because it is a lot of little vignettes. Does anybody have any favorite parts about it? The one thing I I, I like this book a lot, actually. It's, it's kind of funny. I never read it. It's Eddie loved it, but every time we go into Hot Topic, it's always one of the things all the little goth kids are like squeeing over. Oh so yeah, I'm of like, course. No. And it's kind of ironic that the goth kids are the ones getting murdered in this book. That's the ironic thing about it. Is it makes fun of goth kids a lot yeah. in this book, which is actually uh, kind of awesome. The problem I have with this book, actually, because like, you know, I'll get over that first, was. Um, it was so much fun and so cool until he tried to make a story out of it. Yeah. It almost felt like the whole thing with his being like the waste collector and um, what do they call him, a waste spigot or something like that? Or uh, so I can't remember. Yeah. They, when they tried to explain why he's doing this and you know, why he never gets caught, it was kind of, that kind of felt tacked on and the whole Lovecraftian Cthulhu monster thing was stupid. Yeah. Um, all the, that part aside though, it, it was a lot of fun. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a very like long book and, I think if I would have known that it's going in, I might have said maybe read half of it because it's because uh, I, I wouldn't take my time and read it. But there's a it's very very wordy. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot actually of philosophy in it. He goes yeah. into which I wasn't expecting, but um, you know it, it's fun. But it's definitely the weirdest thing I've ever read in my life. Then <laughs> I read I read Chuck Palahniuk, so. Uh, yeah, I've read a fair amount of that as well. Q, I'm very curious as to what your thoughts are, because I, I was 50-50 on this book. I didn't know if you were going to like it or not, and I'm, I'm, I'm curious as to what your, your take on this was. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, so if I was a 13-year-old kid, yeah. this would be the most amazing thing that I've ever read. Yeah. As an adult, nope. Um, and... and I, I get it, and I went in with an open mind, being like, okay, do you know what? You know, you've been real hateful lately. Let's just, you know, yeah, let's, let's you know, try to, try to, you know, be open and all this stuff. So, listen, I get it. People get made fun of, and it hurts your feelings, and you want to hurt someone else because you hurt. I get, I get it. And, like, you know... 
these kids today, but no, so like when, so when I used to work in the school system and like kids would talk to me about bullying and I'd be like, well, you know, so like what happened? And they would just be like, well, they said that my shirt was stupid. And I'm just kind of like, well, that's not bullying. Like they're just being a jerk. And then he said, no, your shirt really is stupid. (laughs) Well, yeah. Um, But, but, but no. So, and so like someone like myself who I, you know, I can't speak for other people. I can only speak on, on, on my own experience. Like I actually was bullied. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I was stalked every day by someone who would punch me, kick me, throw me into lockers. Um, you know, people felt the need to pull their cars off to the side of the road and scream at me. Um, at football games, people would scream things at me and, you know, full front of police and or administrators. Um, I got, I literally was thrown to the ground one day in front of a teacher and the teacher just looked at me and I just looked at them and I'm like, what, are you going to write me a fucking late pass? Like, you know, the bell just rang and obviously I have to gather up all my shit. So, you know, like, to me, when people are, like, when he's complaining about how, oh, they were mean to me, so I'm going to murder them, I'm just kind of like, get the fuck over yourself. Yeah. Um, so, like, it was, it, was hard to, it was hard for me to read as an adult because I'm just like, kid, get over it. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I once again, I think if, because obviously as teenager me, I probably would have read something like this. It is, as Adam said, it's a very hot topic generation yeah. um, kind of stuff. And that obviously, because, oh, no one understands me. And, you know, and all of, like, the, the pseudo-philosophy and intellectualism that is all throughout this book is, you know, it, it, it plays up to that. And it also, like, when he was talking, like, well, if you just give him a, a fedora, he is dude bro. <laughs> like you know, it, it, it's kind of the, the same thing, and it, it just it didn't appeal to me. Um, the the font was hard to read. The um, art was weird, and I wasn't into it. Um, I I also it's the same thing that I have with Deadpool. Like I like super slapstick isn't really fun to me either. So like the Happy Noodle Boy was not funny oh, to I me. I skipped every single one of those after the yeah, first Happy one. Yeah, Happy Noodle Boy I don't think reads very well. <laughs> no. I don't agree but with that. like it, it's not funny. Like I get it. He says the most random things, isn't it hilarious? And like he says words that uh, uh, are like su- super smart, but also science words, but also how inappropriate can I be? And you know. J- I, like that kind of stuff just isn't funny to me. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, obvious. I was just like the wrong audience for that. Um, but it, I understand what it's trying to do, and obviously, for as teenagers or like you know early twenty somethings, like this might be something something that they would really enjoy. And for someone who maybe read this when they were younger. Maybe it's like holds that nostalgic quality for them, kind of like with some of the more classic comic books for me, mm-hmm. where, you know, obviously some of you guys didn't like that kind of stuff, which is fine. <laughs> um, but, you know, I was just talking to my, my sister in law, and she was like, oh my goodness, I haven't seen this stuff since I was in middle school. Yeah. And she was like, oh, the, she was like, it was so funny when I was younger. And I was like, yeah, well, try to read it now. It's not funny. Um, at least not to me. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of my, my piece on that. Like, it's just. It's just I'm glad that I 
for a lot of these books now, I'm not buying them new. I'm buying them used. Uh-huh. Like, like, like my my version of Johnny the Homicidal Maniac has a cut through it. Uh-huh. Like, like someone actually took a knife and like cut through some of the pages. Oh wow. Um, because you're feeling that much angst, man. It, it, exactly. <laughs> he needed to feel feeling. It it reminds you that you're being alive, which I've I've heard that. Oh my gosh, when I was in college. Um, well, yeah, when we were in college, so, like, when we were at grade school, like, the boys played this stupid game where they would take a staple gun to each other, and, like, and, and, and they're just like, yeah, it's supposed to make you feel alive because you feel pain, and I'm like, if you fucking touch me with that staple gun, I'm going to kill you. Like, no, like, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not that kind of person where, like, I, like, oh, it's so cool, and I'm so rad. No, I, no, thank you. Okay. Um, but anyway... We need to go back a little bit and explain the Grayskull boys a little bit as well. So, <laughs> so there, I mean, Q can attest to more of this. There, so we went to, we were theater majors, and the Grayskull boys were sort of like, well, first off, the reason they were, why, first of all, they were called the Masters of the Universe. Well, no, and there, and the place that they lived was Grayskull. Yeah, but so let's not get it twisted. I never called the Masters <laughs> of the Universe, so fuck that. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> they called themselves the yeah. Masters of the Universe because that because that was the name of the show. He made yeah. the Masters of the Universe. Yeah, but the thing was, like, I think they named their apartment because they found an old gray skull toy like in the attic when they uh-huh. moved in so anyway the thing about it was is that they were like i i liked a lot of them they were they were good guys in general but they also kind of reeked of that art school i'm going to be a method actor i am so deep i'm almost a little bit crazy kind of thing most of yes. most ones i've encountered have outgrown that but it was almost a hair douchey at times like i loved them oh yeah you know what i mean but it was sort yeah. of like it was it was kind of like Hanging out with a frat boy version of like Jared Leto, you know what I mean? Like, it was just... oh yeah, and I mean, and it was, it was. I mean, the 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 gray school parties were fun. Like, I literally cannot tell time because I'm just like, yeah, it was that one gray school party that, <laughs> yeah, that lasted for three days. Like, you'd show up on Friday and not leave until Sunday. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but but yeah, and but anyway, like, and I was too lame to ever go to grade school parties, so all I would ever hear is stories about what happened in grade school after the fact. Uh, well, how come you never came? I don't know if I was ever really invited. Like, I don't. Well, first of all, a lot of random folks showed up to those parties. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure that if you heard about it, you should just come. Well, but, the, the problem but, is, but, but no, I get it. I get it. Why you? Yeah. Like, I've always <laughs> felt that way. Though I'm, I'm like, I'm very self conscious about the fact that like, I don't want to be the guy who walks into a party and people are like. Who the fuck invited that guy? So like, if I'm not specifically invited, I don't fucking show up. Like that's how but that you, goes. But you were also the guy who, like, when we had bitch barn parties, so so the, the bitch barn was another theater house. It was it was all women house. and Q is what it was. Well, no, well, no. So a lot of guys had lived in the bitch barn, but it just was the house that was the theater house. So when one theater person moved out, another theater person moved in. So um. I live. I lived there for about six months, but like you know, lots of random theater people lived there for for a while. I think but, Amy um, was there the longest that I knew. It was like um, no, I think Amber Lewis was the one who lived there, she was the there for longest. a long time. Yeah, and then and then and then Amy moved in there pretty soon after that. But yeah, Amber and Cam lived there for for forever until they graduated. Yeah. Um, but any, but anyway, um, but yeah, because I remember I had that that one party, and you came and you just like sat the whole time, like Brian, come and have fun. You're like, I am, please don't, please don't. <laughs> and, I'm, and I was like, Woo, I'm the hostess of this party. Let's have a good time. <laughs> oh, my, oh my god, that was the party that. Um, oh, 
Amber Dawn. What, what was her husband's name? Alec. Yeah. Alec. Alec invited one of his return missionary friends to oh, it, God. and he totally made Coles feel like shit, and I, like, chased him down in the party line. I'm like, don't make my friend feel like shit! You're an asshole! Don't come into my house! Oh. Oh, and he apparently also said disparaging things about me, and I was just like, fuck you! Yeah. Who invited you to my house? And uh, then I told Alec that he wasn't invited to my house anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and Hashtag college. Yeah. Oh, but anyway. Way, way to be trying to be liberal theater people in a very closed-minded city. It's very fun. You should yeah, try it. Exactly. Um, I used but to yeah, count like, how many people would walk out of shows. Like, And it wasn't that they were walking oh out of shows God. because they're insulted. It was that they were trying to prove that they were better religious folks than the people yeah, around them. The, it's like, the, look the, at me. I'm walking out. Us. We lost eight people. Righteous indignation. Yeah, of course. We lost eight people during the introductions of Cabaret. Like, yes. Before the characters have been introduced, we lost eight people one night, and I was like, okay. And that was fairly average, actually, for that show. Yeah, it was. There, there were many people who would leave before even the boys were introduced. Yeah. It was like, are you freaking kidding me? And yeah. see, that's, the, that's the weirdest thing, because we, you know, we've had people, so we, uh, Eddie and I have tickets to, well, I guess it's the Broadway, the Eccles now. Yeah. And we've been going for, like, I think this is our third or fourth year? Fourth year, I think. And, uh, I mean, we've seen people walk out of like Motown or like Newsies during intermission, but then when we went because Eddie always wants to go smoke, and uh, for Book of Mormon, not one person left. So I don't know if it was just people like understood what they were getting into. I, or... I, I think the crowd that's going to go, or if, they, or if they wanted to know what they were getting angry about. Yeah, but I feel like <laughs> the crowd that's going to see Book of Mormon in Salt Lake City has had their fill of Mormonisms and can get the joke. You know what I mean? Right, but a lot of people, it, it was, that year, it was just part of the package. You didn't, it wasn't like an add-on? Yeah, but so I'm sure that people could have given their tickets away to people that they, you know, or whatever. Or they've heard, I mean, also, to be honest with you, part of it is, is that sometimes things get away with if they're, uh, if they're well-reviewed or if they win awards, you know what I mean? It could have been like, oh, one, a lot of Tony's, so it obviously has a point to it. And, you know. And it does. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I don't know. I mean, there's that. Um... So getting back to Q's point, I have to say, to a certain extent, I very much agree with you, Q. Um, I I did not read this, I did not enjoy this book as much now as I remember enjoying it when I first read it. But I feel like reading it now, I can kind of go back to that same mindset and go, oh, I kind of remember being an angsty teenager and, and why this spoke to me. And I, I kind of understand that. Um, I feel like the only thing that really speaks to me now is when you have a shitty day at work and there are shitty drivers, I can sit there and like for about five seconds go, yeah, it'd be kind of fun to be able to not have any sort of repercussions for, you know, and I, I don't know if I'd ever kill anybody, but, like, I'd love to go slash tires for people who park shitty. You know what I mean? But, um... I just take pictures and post them on Twitter. <laughs> well, there's that, too. But, um... So, I don't know. So, like, I can see where, like, it doesn't, as an adult, at least a, a, a semi-functional adult, it doesn't necessarily read as well as it does when you're an angsty teenager. Um, so, I, I agree with you on that. So, this is, um... It is very much a product of the 90s. I, it's yeah. in black and white, and that's the only way it could possibly be done. Because if this was in color, it would not have been published. Yeah. Is my general thing looking at it. The So, and it's the, the author is the um, writer-artist on this thing. Mm-hmm. And I want to be his friend. <laughs> he apparently lives near where I live, actually. Does he? Apparently he's up in Fullerton. I have some friends who've run into him in bars up there a couple times. Because, dude, with the crazy shit that came out of this guy's mind, I just want to be around him. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. I'm like, way to go, dude. And you can tell he's a little bit judgy of others, but I'm good with that. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the thing about it is, is that I feel like it's a self self referential joke as well. Like, I feel like he's part of that culture enough that he can make fun of it as well. You know, what I mean, I don't think it, I don't think it's judgy in the the sense of he's looking down on anyone else. I think it's more of like a yeah, we're kind of ridiculous. You know what I mean? And and including himself in that. At least that's the vibe I got. I could be. You know, putting my own thoughts on it, but no, I can absolutely see. I mean, the title of this book, looking, it's Johnny the Homicidal Maniac, except there's a short stint where it's Johnny the Suicidal Maniac. Yeah, and I don't, I really enjoyed that person there. So he is every bit of his ire that the character of me mm-hmm. is putting towards others. He points it firmly at himself at times as well. And it's like, well, I still have to find out a few things, otherwise I would just do myself in as I kill and murder all you people all the mm-hmm. time just so the red wall stays wet to keep the Lovecraftian thing at bay yeah so which was weird and I love the Lovecraftian thing but it kind of it was his style but at the same time it had a lot more texture and stuff to it than almost everything else he did and it just made it feel like even much more of an alien presence than from the rest of the comics yeah, the thing about the Lovecraftian thing for me was is it felt so out of left field from where everything else, like everything else was somewhat based in a reality, a delusional mm-hmm. reality, but in reality. And then, and and if, and if I feel like if the Lovecraftian thing had been happening directly to Johnny, it would have made sense. What didn't make sense to me was that it was, you know, some of his victims being attract, attacked by a Lovecraftian group, and they never really quite under, explained where that was coming from. Like, I felt like there would be further plot development as, oh yes, Johnny is tied into something or other, but they kind of just leave it at that. And that, I mean, like, not to say that I have a beef with it, I thought it was funny and interesting, but it was a little, like, I, I didn't see how it completely tied in with everything else. I can see that. Um, yeah, comment on it, the artistry was set up in such a way that it was, like, this is very much a foreign thing coming in. Mm-hmm. So like a, my other favorite thing I'm trying to find it here, it was his sign on his lawn is like, keep off the lawn, don't walk on dead people. Uh-huh. Oh, it's, yeah, it's rude to walk on, on graves or something like that. It's, yeah, it's rude to walk on graves. Which I would mean, be a great I, sign for your Halloween for your front yard. It really would. I looked at that and I'm like, <laughs> I've got inspiration here. And if I do nothing else and just put that up and nothing else, I think it makes it even better. Because like, it would oh, be. Right, it's like, oh, it's Halloween theme. Like, no, just the sign. And just to put the nothing. sign up. I think Halloween Amy would let you get away with it outside of that. Well, she might let you get away with it year round. I don't know. Yeah, we'll we'll see. But it's funny. <laughs> the neighbors already love me. My brother kid liked a girl in the neighborhood, and this will come back to this. I promise. Okay. And the brother kids, the girl he likes, mother came over. It's like, well, we've all decided that if you want to go to a dance with the girl and a guy, that's okay, and they can go to another one together, but they first have to go to a dance with somebody else first. So if he goes to a dance with a different girl on the next one, but she doesn't get asked, they still have to wait till she gets asked to a different dance before those two can go to another dance together. Mm-hmm. And then she looked at us like, don't you think that just sounds like a great idea? And my wife, bless her heart, went, I married my high school boyfriend. It's been great. <laughs> but and, and, being, and being the other guy in that situation, like... <laughs> It, it's like the funny thing is, so I told my wife about that sort of thing because that, that's very much a Utah mentality, you know. And uh, and I dated a girl who you're very well aware of who it was that like the whole time like she was dating me and then she was dating this other guy, and 
I knew that that was part of her family rule, but I never could tell if I was the other guy she was dating so she could date the other guy, or if she was dating the other guy so she could date me. And it was this really strange, fucked up place to be. And so it was really funny because my wife, being from California, I was telling her the story. She goes, "That's the weirdest thing I've ever heard." Like in Utah, for some reason, it makes sense, but outside of it, people are like, "That's the weirdest fucking thing I've ever heard in my entire life." It is a weird fucking thing, and it seems to make sense in the Utah bubble, but it still doesn't. They're just, yeah. oh, if we need to be this level, I'm just going to be amp it up to 11 just to mm-hmm. show how much more holy I am. And I'm yeah. like, you people are fucking nuts. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. And back to me. I love that his nickname is Nee. And someone's like, oh, like Nee, K-N-E-E? He's like, no, but it sounds the same. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a response from you. No, but it sounds the same. And I'm like, that's hilarious. So Johnny the Homicidal Maniac, it's in black and white. And it's not even, there's hardly a touch of gray in the whole thing. Occasionally it'll have a frame or two with a little bit of shading. But there's no shading really for the most part. And it is just some awesome graphic art going on and half the time reading the text is crazy and hard to read yeah and you can just see because it's his very mindset as the guy talks to himself as he kills everyone that he has feels like he's been dissed or potentially maybe dissed or just annoyed really or just annoyed he has this whole sequence where he's going through and he's like while he's cutting up all these people and killing them all and he's like you know their talking still gets to me sometimes Next time, I just need to put in earplugs. That's annoying. Yeah. And I love it. Um, It's not a small book by any means. It's it's very dense, too. It's very dense. There's a lot going on. It's in six parts. I feel I've read it. I feel like I need to read it a couple more times to catch everything. Kind of like the art style, but the the whole thing feels very dense because the art and the... the, um, the, the words are so similar in style, it becomes a very dense page to have to sort of sort through, and it's almost a little tiring, I feel like, to try to read and through all I, of that. And I'm an old lady now. Like, <laughs> if, 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 if I gotta pull that book up close so I can actually see where the letters differentiate, yeah. I got time for that. I got to put on my spectacles. <laughs> Seriously, I... I... I did, and, and, and that also may have detracted my liking this book was the fact that it took me so long to read because I was like, and, and it wasn't even because it was wordy. Like I don't, I don't mind words, but it's words they have to decipher because the font is so stupid. Yeah, no, it's just that was like, my that was my problem last week with Thirty Days of Night because yeah. it was I think we, every time you you can't read what the fuck a vampire is saying, take a drink. Yeah, yeah, um, the. Um, it's like uh, they have that fancy Thor font in some oh, Marvel yeah, books. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, 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 I, and, I, and I'm just like, <laughs> they don't. Can we not? Like, it's hard enough for me to fucking read this. Can you just like leave this alone, please? <laughs> and it's just like, look how fancy we can get with computers, yay! But anyway, but obviously this is not done with computers because no, this is this is kicking yeah. it old school. But yeah, uh, yeah, uh... And, and 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 also. Like the, the the writer, it's like kind of my thing with um, with uh, like the pro and like and sex criminals. Like it's just like if you have to be so heavy handed with with the point of your book to be so counterculture, 
it's not appealing to me. I, and it, once again, the, this is me. But I'm just like, okay, yeah, I, I, I get it. Like, uh, and and maybe because it's like so repetitious of the fact that he's like, oh, I've got to kill these people because I hate people and blah blah. blah. Listen, I was the president and only member of the misanthrope club in in high school. <laughs> like, I get it, I get it. I had zero friends for for a while. I was I was angry. I almost failed eleventh grade. Like, I get it. However, get over yourself and become an adult. I don't I don't know. It just, well, and, see, and yeah. I was there too, so I, I did not read this as a kid. Like I said, I just read it because yeah. we're doing it for this for the show. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, Q, I was there with you. Like when I was it was it was more junior high when I was, you know, you puberty age and you're like, Oh, all these guys think girls are cute and I think you're cute, you know, and you're but being raised so sheltered, I didn't even know what that was. You know, I didn't even know that mm-hmm. what homosexuality was. So I made the mistake of telling someone who I thought was a friend of mine who then went and told his brother and the whole high school. And it was a very, very small school. So, I mean, just like you, my life was living sh- was living shit mm-hmm. every single day. Mm-hmm. I mean, going home with bruises or a black eye or um, when you literally get the shit beat out of you and your arms pulled over your head until it breaks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have to go to the hospital and you can't tell your mom why. You know, because it would be they'd send me to therapy, and it would be you know it would be a whole it would be mm-hmm. a worse situation. So, you know, had I read this, I mean, because as a teenager, yeah, there were very very dark thoughts going through my mind about what I would do to you know these these bastards who are you know fucking me over. So, I think this book would have been kind of helpful to me as a teenager, because <laughs> um, I, I ended up turning more of that onto myself and you know and stupid things, and we won't go into. Lot of mm-hmm. detail there, but um, you know, it, as an adult reading it, see, I I had more fun with it for a couple reasons. One, I, I love Invader Zim, and obviously the uh, what's the name, Yonan Vasquez went on and did Invader Zim, and Invader Zim is very much like this comic. I mean, you got the kid next door who knows that the kid's an alien. Uh, the alien's got a house with like this little weird creature that you know has like his like his voice in his head. And he's got a huge underground lair and stuff. So if you came in without because if I went in with knowing Invader Zim first, so that kind of made me enjoy this more, which is why I made the rule that if you read this and hear Zim's voice in your head, you have to take a drink. Well, I, I the one thing that is fascinating about this is the fact that someone read this book and said we should give him a children's book. Like, that is a, a bizarre connection. Oh, that just makes me happy. <laughs> um, so, so I did that, and, and to be honest, like I've always had kind of a grim fascination with serial killers, uh, like that TV sh- and like Cannibal is one of my favorite TV shows of all time, and actually I need to finish that because I'm on season three. Mm-hmm. So I kind of went in with that too. Uh, I, I was I didn't really know what to expect. I just thought it, I, I thought it would be a little funnier than it was because it was it's always been kind of sh- told it's like a funny book, and it really yeah. isn't. It, it's it's really dark. <laughs> it's dark and grim, and there are some funny moments, but. It's very it's it's humor that's so dark that even I'm like oh no that's not <laughs> even I don't go that far, uh, but yeah I, I do wish I could have read this one as a kid I probably would have you know would have I would have jumped into it way harder than I I did now I do want to go through and read it again because you know what you mentioned at the beginning there's so much hidden stuff in here uh, around the edges and yeah uh, little inside jokes and stuff every single time you see uh, Johnny's shirt it's got something different on it so every single yeah. panel looks a different. Thing on his shirt, uh, but no, I, I had fun with it. I definitely want to read it again. Uh, I don't know if it's the best thing ever. It's like I made a joke on my Facebook page that I liked it, and then 
everyone started jumping in. Oh my God, it's the greatest book ever. I'm like, no, nah, I wouldn't go that far. Well, and, and, and sometimes on things like those, I've even been guilty of going like, oh, I love that book or I love that movie. And then you go, oh, that doesn't hold up as well as I thought it did. Like, like Dark Empire. Um. <laughs> <laughs> or 30 Days of Night for that matter. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> no. But no, it was interesting. And the, but I, I can see Q's point of view too, is that you know, I, I went through that as a kid and I went through worse stuff than someone talking in a movie theater behind me. And I didn't go out and kill people. But at the same time, the point of this book is more, it's escapism and, and nihilism. And that's that's what I like about Chuck Palahniuk books. But I don't know. I, I, I think it would have... But, but the thing is, I feel like the, the what he's trying to get at is that he doesn't like people. And like, yeah, okay, like society sucks. Yes. Yes, it does. It does. Period. Like... Just try to be a better person and, you know, move on with your life. He likes Squee, though. He means he's Squee from that child monster. Uh, uh. I don't know. I think there's, like you mentioned, there's a pseudo-philosophy that he's trying to get through, and I'm sure that we could sit down and we could all get high and come up with ideas. But Oh, it just makes me stupid and hungry. No, thank you. <laughs> oh, no, I, I'm literally going to make me puke, so... <laughs> One time I was, I was drunk as hell, and my friend was high, and she passed on the couch... And then her, she's like, but you go ahead and have some. So I took a hit and I puked all over the carpet. And all I remember is that she woke up laughing her ass off because I puked. I'm like, you bitch. So <laughs> that was the last time I ever smoked weed. And that was like 11 years ago. So there was one thing I wanted to bring up. And I, I want to get Q's opinion on this because he mentioned that it was that he felt that the book was very um, anti-establishment just to say, hey, look, I'm 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 bizarre and I'm. I'm different and I'm not the norm. I f- maybe it's just my perception of it, but I felt like that was sort of the '90s in general had a lot of that, like being yes. being like I, I felt like in a situation like um, you know, uh, oh what is it, sex criminals or whatever. That's a different story. But I think in this book in general, I feel like it does kind of fall into the way the '90s kind of rolled of like almost like the reality bites and and uh, singles and like hey look, I'm anti-establishment and look at how anti-establishment I is. I am. Yeah. And, and and like that that I think that's another reason why it just sort of like struck me as like ugh, like just eye roll because it's like look look how it's it's those kids that you see at like comic cons or like when you're when I used to sub it in high schools or middle schools and they're just those kids that that need need the attention and they get it through whatever clothes they wear or whatever. It's like they, they don't necessarily feel connected to like a group, but they dress like that in order to get the attention. So listen, dear listeners, I I'm I'm certifiably crazy. Like I have paperwork that says that I'm crazy. I I, I do. If you want to read it, I'll post it. <laughs> um and one of the things is is that I like to attract attention through the way that I look, which is why I dye my hair crazy colors and I wear um, slogan t-shirts and um, I used to wear very um, controversial t-shirts. Like that's part part of what makes me crazy is that I, I attract people through the things that I wear and I, I need that attention. There's a difference between that and like then, cause, cause, like, I just did it through like slogan T-shirts. Then there are the people who feel the need to wear like the furry leg warmers and wear ten pounds of eye mascara and where it's like they're obviously asking for you to comment on it so that way they can feel superior to you because you're so judgmental. Mm-hmm. And as an employer now, as someone who hires people. It does, it does, it, like, you have to think about your brand and your, 
company and you know like I, I, I now understand why visible tattoos are a thing why facial piercings are a thing to an employer because it's like well you're out there representing me so I have visible tattoos however they're small um, you know people really don't don't notice them um, and they're also uh, it's not ob- like objectionable really yeah and it's not like I have like fuck written across you know yeah. like my forehead or something but um, you know and I have uh, staff with nose rings I have staff with lip rings um, and you know that's that kind of stuff isn't offensive but when it's like you literally have like so much metal on your face and you have the tattoo that's like scrawled up your neck and you know all that stuff it's like well I don't want other people to judge our company because of you and like you know what I mean so it's mm-hmm. like it's like it, it, it's that negative attention just to get the negative attention so that way you feel superior and and I think that that's kind of what this book gears towards what their kind of audience is going for it's like those kids who are like yeah and I'm different and don't call me wacky and and it's like well but honey if you're gonna put like a fucking like bone through your nose yeah I'm gonna look at you and be like <laughs> so how is that working for you like I, I'm I mean I mean, I'm obviously an old, old lady now. I get it. But, <laughs> I, I, I mean... You don't go into society and clutch your pearls. I, I, I mean, he yeah. Does. And, I've seen it. He does. I, I, and, and the thing is that, yes, you know, of course of course, I do. But at the same time, like, I, I also remember being that kid in college who had the nose ring, the tongue ring, the giant gauges in my ears. I had blue hair, which Brian helped me do. Yep, I did. Um, you know, I, I used to wear a shirt that says I am not gay because I was just so angry about the fact that everyone kept asking me and you know I it, it was I was confrontational with my look to get people to look at me for something else other than the fact of things that I was insecure about and and I and so I get that however children like you know whatever Y'all anyway <laughs> no, not necessarily. Because listen, Jesus, for all of her glory, sometimes just doesn't really make a lot of sense. So, but it, it is kind of funny because you know, yeah, we were all kids and we were all, we were all stupid kids. And I always joked that when I turned eighteen, I was like, "Fuck yeah, I'm an adult. I know everything. You know, I'm set in life." And then I turned twenty-one. I'm like, you know what? I'm twenty-one. I know everything. I'm set in life. God, was I fucking stupid when I was 18. (laughs) Absolutely. And then when I hit 25, I was like, you know what? I was stupid when I was 18. I was stupid when I was 21. I'm still fucking stupid now. I'm going to be stupid when I'm 35. But I'm I'm learning a bit more. And it took, it for me, it took, you know, moving to Utah and kind of hitting the restart button on my life. Literally, like, everything I had built up was gone. It was just me by myself. And that was it. To, you know, really grow up and, you know, kind of find myself and be who I am now. Um... But as much as I know I was stupid as a kid, I'm sorry. I don't remember being as stupid as the fucking teenagers nowadays. Like, I know I'm going to sit here uh, on, my, on my throne clutching my pearls being like, good lord. But they come into my work, and I just want to kill every single one of them when they're there. Like, I just, it's the point now where if a teenager comes in and they're not with their parents, I kick them out of my store. Because I can say the no loitering thing. But I just, oh, I just, mm. God, I hate teenagers. Except for one person. Except for Molly. Molly is great because her parents are amazing. So, I, I don't personally. I don't necessarily think it's just a teenager thing. I just think people are stupid in general. Because I went to, um, 
the Guillermo del Toro exhibit up at LACMA the other day. I'm so and, jealous of you. And it was great. It was very fun, and, and we and uh, and it was amazing. And if anyone wants to hear more about it, I'll tell you all about it. But the problem I had, and this is the problem of living in California in general, is you go to L.A. and everyone fucking thinks they're an expert. And I'm not saying that I'm an expert, but when someone says something innately wrong behind me, it takes everything I have not to turn around and be like, no, you don't have a fucking clue what you're talking about. Oh, I but, do that, though. I will turn around. The problem is I don't want to get in that conversation. You know what I mean? Because because I'm in the entertainment industry, I know how things are done. You know what I mean? Q, I'm sure you're the same way. You know Uh how effects are done. But then you'll hear someone like, case in point, not associated with this, but like I was at, um, uh, a friend of mine was touring with Little Shop of Horrors. And they were, uh, and these, I was sitting, I got some uh, seats that just gave me free seats so I can go hang out. And so I'm watching the show and I'm sitting next to these nice little old ladies. And at least they were cool about the whole thing. This was uh, back when I lived in North Carolina. But like, they're sitting there at intermission discussing how the plant was done in the scene where uh, they're listening to the radio. And it's, it's, it's always traditionally done with a puppet. There's always one arm that's fake. And then he, and that arm, you know, and he's in a jacket. And then the other arm, like that arm that's fake is his real arm is up inside the puppet. And he, yeah. Turning the thing. It's how it's always done. But these poor women were sitting there trying to figure out if there was remote control buttons on the bottom of the potted plant. And I'm like, no, it's not nearly as complicated as you think it is. And like, and th- th- I was nice to them and do it. But like, but you hear that stuff all the time where people are like making things more complicated than they are, or they think something is something else. Like that's that's not how that works, you know. Um, and so like, I it, personally, I feel like so, teenagers are stupid, but so are adults. You know what I mean? I think everyone's kind of universally kind of we're basically term, but... becoming idiocracy oh completely which is why as i mentioned today on facebook like i really want to go watch that again because uh, i haven't seen it since i think i'm it sure it's, i'm sure it's a horror movie now it's a terrible it's like i'm frightened to do so because i know this is the trump campaign yeah so completely you know i can totally see this i mean in the 90s it was still pre-internet boom days remember that mm-hmm. that's crazy yeah. it's so, weird that i do remember a time before the internet i was actually thinking about that the other day well, in the time before the internet and prodigy was still a thing and but everything else oh is my god happen. okay so i just have to say <laughs> when you when you said prodigy my first thought went to the band prodigy and i'm like they're still kind of around they put a thing out every couple of years I'm like oh no wait you meant the internet service oh right okay Right, <laughs> but yeah, Prodigy was a thing. I remember that. Smack my bitch up, great song. Yeah. The um, but subcultures really rose to have. I mean, yeah, Nirvana. You had the hair bands of the day, and Guns and Roses was like, we are kings of the world. Nirvana came in and rejected all of that, mm-hmm. and they took over. And I think Kurt Cobain just had a really tough time in being. We are the anti-establishment, and everyone says, oh, we all want to be like you. And he's like, what the fuck is going on here? I think I mean my my guess is yeah is is the part of the issue was he didn't want to be a poster child for something you know what I mean right like, he's like I don't want to be this let's get rid of it it's like now you're the poster child yeah it's like what I'm becoming exactly what I was railing against yeah and, and now he's the speaker for a generation that he didn't want to be the speaker for sure so and but with that being said you had your alternative scene with was really spearheaded knocked the head off of by Nirvana. And then stuff out of Seattle, and it was dark and dreary, and people were wearing too much plaid. Which is coming back, by the way. I don't know the if the nineties really need left, to stay though. where they were. No, I'm looking at things. I'm seeing people <laughs> at work. I'm like, uh, oh my god, the nineties are coming back again. So, but to get back on that and your thing there, I nineties was the time because financially, I mean, we were all doing great. Um, I mean, America was, so of course mm-hmm. the kids have to be angry, and you had the Woodstock fiasco. Was it 99? That, that was the 99. Fires at, 
Yeah. Was, was the fires good. of Woodstock. Yeah. And everything else. It's like, oh, the first Woodstock was about peace and love, and what are we doing here? We're burning the place down. With the song Break Stuff by Limp Biscuit. Like, yeah. yeah. Which, they had Rage Against the Machine on that bill, and, and Limp Biscuits where they decided to go ape shit. Like, really? I know. But it's just, it's easy to hate Fred Durst because he just comes off as a tool. So it's like, yeah. you get your permission to hate the guy because he doesn't come off as a good guy. Oh. <laughs> um, sure. But back to it again. It's very. Do I see this being written today? Not so much. I mean, this is having a great time. Today seems to be a lot of vanilla escapism for a lot of stuff coming out. Not so much the image in Vertigo, but you look at the uh, Marvel and DC stuff, and they're trying to be bright and cheery and more light. And I don't know if it's between trying to get movies better promoted or what. But no, I do agree it's the product of the 90s because even comparing Preacher to the boys same guy doing similar things and he's trying to out Preacher Preacher with the boys it did have a different vibe to it and it Mm -hmm. seemed to be crass for the sake of crass in a lot of it there and I enjoyed it but this one seemed like he was trying to like Preacher was trying to have something more to say to point at Mm -hmm. things yeah. And the boys was pointing at a subculture genre of comic books that, while there and he was making his point, it's just less of a substantive. I mean, Preacher's talking about the silliness of religion, and mm-hmm. the boys was talking about the silliness of superhero teams. Okay, uh, with that little bundle of joy, uh, does anybody have any recommendations? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, I always think that I come prepared and then I'm like, fuck, recommendations. <laughs> okay, I got, I got a recommendation if you want to give a second to think about it. Yes. Um, I don't know if I would necessarily call it a recommendation. I will say that I just recently read it. I recently read the uh, first collection, uh, so far it's the only collection, of the Batman uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles crossover. Oh, it's Jesus just- Christ. <laughs> Oh, now I'm curious as to what elicited that oh response. God. <laughs> but no, Ninja Turtles, come on. I like Ninja Turtles. Just because you don't like Ninja Turtles, that's fine. But like, No, I love Ninja Turtles. I hate the new nonsense. <laughs> okay. I, I'm gonna, I'll just put it this way. It's not... This book is not mind-blowing. It's not revolutionary. If you imagine what a Ninja Turtle Batman comic book would be, you're probably right. That's probably what it is. Like that's, you know, I mean, it's just it's pretty generic. It doesn't really go that far out of the box. It's fun, but it's like it's not it's not mind blowing. Uh, so I mean, I don't necessarily know if it's a recommendation. I will recommend um, uh, the Guillermo del Toro exhibit up in L.A. If you happen to be in L.A., it is very cool. Um, I I went actually I have a poster from it. I went to the Tim Burton exhibit several years ago. There's a poster from it on my wall right now. Um, I actually like the Guillermo del Toro exhibit better, but it's a it's a different animal entirely. The the Tim Burton exhibit back in the day, and I think it's still touring actually, so you might be able to see that somewhere. The Tim Burton exhibit was all like collections from his movies and his childhood art and stuff like that. And he didn't like it was like oh this is what Tim Burton did, and you're like okay I get it. He was weird. Actually kind of ties on Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. It's like okay I get it. He's got a weird, dark sense of humor, but that's about all he got from it. The Guillermo del Toro exhibit is based on 
he has a, a sort of a house where all the people who work with him work out of called the Bleak House. And the idea is, is that he has this building that is full of artifacts and collections and things just to inspire the people who are working with him, kind of give them an idea as to what inspires him, give them ideas and that kind of thing. So like, it's basically like a, a library and a collection kind of thing. And so what they've done is they've taken elements from that and they've also added it with a, a few collections from LACMA's collection. But so they have like these, you go through and it's like these different rooms and the different rooms are kind of what inspires different aspects of his work. So like there's there's a hallway that's a lot of um, uh, art from like Disney films and there's a there's a room that's all like uh, like it's like it's like bugs. Like it's some of it's real bugs, some of it's fake bugs that are prop bugs or some like there's some books that are like, you know, uh, fantasy stuff. There's like a, a room that's um, all sort of like magic and occult type stuff. There's a, a room that's all like actually has some really cool old comic book stuff but also has some stuff from uh, Mike Mayola from uh, Hellboy. Um, so as you go through it, just like it's sort of like different aspects of what he's interested in and how it influences his work, and it's it's actually very cool. I don't know how much longer it's going to last. I think it goes through November. So if you're hearing this, I think it's uh, November when I heard, yeah, yeah. So if you're hearing this uh, and you want to go to it, you probably better get to LA if you're not already in California and, and go check it out. But it is it's very cool, and I highly recommend it. It was very very interesting. Also, it'll be on tour. So like if you, I think you're I think it goes to New York next, and then who knows afterwards. So there are other opportunities to check it out. But I, I do recommend it. So, um, so I bought a crap load of trades recently. Okay. And so do you have some recommendations out of that pile? I have some re- some recommendations, especially since I didn't have one those last time. Okay. So, um, so some really good things going on. I picked up um, uh, Mark Millar's Huck. I someone recommended that to me actually. How is that? Huck is really good, and it's okay. really enjoyable. And Huck is a main character with Supermanish type of. Ability's not a one-for-one match, but he grows up in small-town middle America, and he's just a real good guy trying to get things going on. And Mm -hmm. it's... I enjoyed Huck and Go Malar for writing a feel-good tale that it still involves Russians and the KGB. (laughs) Okay. In the middle of America. So, um, and the art is fun and a bit whimsical in it Mm -hmm. with everything else. So, it's kind of a whimsy kind of book. It's good. Okay. So, Millar, Huck, do that. Um, also, Queen and Country. Is that also Millar? No, Queen and Country is by Greg Rucka as well. He was doing that Hecatea and that Wonder yeah. Woman run in this regard. For Queen and Country, it came out a while ago, and there is a crap ton. This is what he did before Marvel and DC, DC and all really that. got yeah. a hold of him. So, this is volume one. Mm-hmm. And there's multiple volumes, and this thing's like 350 pages. Oh, jeez. But it's uh, it out James Bond, James Bond kind of a okay. thing. Okay. So it's very much a uh, hard-boiled noir thriller kind of thing, and uh, yeah, of an SIS agent Tara Chance, and all over the world in service to her queen and country. Mm-hmm. So and walking the tightrope between loyalty between people and the political masters that must be served. So it, um, I read the first section of it so far. It's great, and in a lot of ways, it's better James Bond than a lot of James Bond can be. Uh, Adam, do you have any recommendations? Yeah, mine's kind of multifaceted. So I don't know how I missed it because all my friends were into it last year, but I just got into Mr. Robot. Oh yeah, that TV show is one of the best things I have ever seen. I'm trying not to binge watch it too much. Well, I want to because the new season's out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also strangely attracted to the main character, the real actor, Rami Malek. He's kind of 
good bug-eyed, but strangely attractive. I don't know how it works. Uh, he's super cute. I remember him from, uh, he was in, oh, that Julia Roberts and Tom Tom Hanks movie where he had to go back to school. Oh, um, it's one he wrote, actually. He wrote and directed it again, I think. It's, uh, I know what you're talking about. Okay. Um, but anyway, he, he goes to, like, a speech class, and this kid is, like, the burnout yeah. or whatever. It's kind of... Oh, like, well, well, anyway. Yeah, Larry, yes. yeah, yeah, Larry Crown. And what's really interesting was I didn't realize it just till I just was looking at his Wikipedia page. Was I played this the uh, PlayStation game called Until Dawn? It was like a storytelling horror game, uh, and all the characters, the the voice actors, they actually made the characters look like them. And he was one of the one of the guys in that game. But oh, interesting. Um, yeah, Mr. Robot, it's fantastic. And what's really kind of cool is uh, I think most people are familiar with Telltale games. They did like the Walking Dead game and uh, Game of Thrones. They're, they're, they're storytelling games where everything you do changes the game so like you'll make a decision and then you know three episodes later in the game this character will remember that you didn't save their kid you save someone else's kid and you know, yeah it's, they're really really cool um telltale actually did a mr robot uh, mobile game okay and what this does is the story is that you you're walking down the street and you pick up a phone and when you turn the game on it's like the phone's os and these different characters start contacting you and uh, asking you to help them do stuff. So you have to like text people in the game and you know convince them to get, like, get their passwords and upgrade your accounts. And it's it's kind of a choose your own adventure type thing, but it is really fun because the people like when someone's sending a text, it'll take a while for them to actually send it to you. You know, a little like the little blinking like waiting sign. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm almost through with it, but it's it's been a ton of fun because if you look at your phone and then you get the uh, you get a thing like oh so and so just texts you and it's actually like your normal um text notification that you get with your phone so it's 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 interesting i'm just you know it's i'm almost done with it i think but uh definitely watch that show i don't know how the hell i missed it um, also if you don't guess the twist like what i know in the twist in the first 30 minutes of the first episode you're stupid so. <laughs> well i already know what the twist is and i haven't seen the show yet but i have if, to- if you, if you, when you watch the show and they, and they you meet the christian slater character and tells you the, the plan of yeah. what they're trying to do like right then and there should be obvious what's going on so. yeah okay cool q did you come up with anything um i mean rupaul's drag race all-stars can we just oh, talk about this show for winning the oh yeah so so rupaul won an emmy yes mama room so i mean we're obviously the number one uh comic book podcast among <laughs> salt lake city drag queens yes and- <laughs> <laughs> i can even say we're probably the number one uh comic book podcast in utah <laughs> Yay! Um, but anyway, um, so RuPaul changed it up this year with, um, so instead of the bottom two girls having to lip sync for their lives, what happens is that the top two girls have to lip sync and then vote someone off from the bottom three. However, we found out since episode one that those girls are going to be able to try to win a chance to come back, which apparently is going to be tomorrow night's mm-hmm. episode. And obviously this is going to be, you know, appear in the future or whatever. So also by the time this pr- premieres, it, the show might even be over by now. But, like, what an awesome twist. Like, the the girls really stepped up all of their games this, like, this season. It is a truly all-stars thing. This past week... Alaska did Betty Davis as Baby Jane, and I <laughs> was dead. It's so spot on. Her makeup, her performance, it was just mind-blowing. So good. But anyway, I think everyone should just fucking watch the show because it is so good. There was one night, so um, me and Ben, we go over to our friend Laura's house to watch the show on Thursday nights. Well, it used to be Mondays, now it's on Thursdays. 
And uh, see, so, yeah, we go after rehearsal, and there was one night our friend Matt wanted to come with, with us, and Matt is pretty stereotypical straight guy. He's in the Navy. He, um, you know, wife, two kids. His wife's pregnant. And, um... He wanted to hang out with us. We're like, well, we're going to go get a drink at our friend Laura's house. But, you know, we watched Drag Race. He was like, oh, my wife's talked about that show. Her best friend is a drag queen. And we were like, oh, okay, well, then you should come watch it. He fucking died <laughs> watching the show. He thought that it was the most amazing thing. I think everyone should watch the show. I'm I'm sorry that it has nothing to do with this or comic books Does it have or whatever. To no. I mean, no. no. But anyway... Go go go! Watch some RuPaul's Drag Race. It's amazing. I heard there's the actually a drag brunch in Salt Lake now. Oh, is there really good good for Salt Lake? That's what I'm, I'm, um, yeah, they do a, it's a monthly drag brunch, and then uh, I think it's the the Matrons of Mayhem um, do also drag bingo. Oh, okay. First of all, drag bingo, drag brunch, like that shit is just amazing. I love it. Yeah, the Matrons of Mayhem. If you just go on Facebook, look them up. They got all their stuff there. Um, they do drag bi- drag queen bingo for charity. Uh, they do a drag brunch. Uh, they're just they're a lot of fun. So there's like a apparently like a big uh, thing in San Francisco. It's like a drag Easter brunch or whatever. And then they have a really hot guy playing Jesus, and, and he ride he rises and basically walks around shirtless. Uh, some friends of mine mean, are totally into it. Listen, Jesus, you know. <laughs> yeah. And what's really cool with the Matrons of Mayhem is that uh, well, one of them is our friend Mayday, and she, you know, fantastic drag queen, mm-hmm. who we're still trying to get to go on RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, but they're kind of their shtick is that they're dudes with like mustaches. Mm-hmm. And they don't bother to shave their mustaches. <laughs> oh, okay. So, I mean, they it's really over the top. Like, one of them, like, uh, I think it's Pap Smear Petunia has, like, spinny wheels for titties. And <laughs> it's all it's all big, really, really, really fun. But they do a lot, are, too. Are, are they, like, part of, like, the sisterhood or whatever, where they do, like, the white face? Uh, no, no. I, I'll, I'll send you a link to the picture. Because, I mean, I also have my friends, um, so Sis Jenner and Salvador Dali and Jack's Knife Haunt, like, they, they do, they're, like, well, Salvador is not bearded, but the other two are, and I, I love my drag friends, I support <laughs> them, but it's not my gig, as they know, and as I've told them, but I, I, like, to me, like, I, like, to me, I'm just like, okay, you are definitely a performer and I get it like you you know perform and do you but to me I'm just like it's not drag like it, it's performance and it's usually good like you know what I mean but I'm just like it's not it's not my gig yeah no, and, they're, and they're not I mean they're not, they're not the drag queens who go and do like shows and stuff except for Mayday the one in the you will you when you see the picture you'll be able to tell who Mayday is um, yes, yes. <laughs> yes but they do do a lot for charity and other stuff and they're really really well, cool yeah. so but they're 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 trying to be campy and silly. With it, they're not trying to be you know real performers. So Mr. I get Mr. It. Robot and RuPaul's Drag Race. Support your local <laughs> yes. drag queen. Um, yes, ma'am. <laughs> Go support your local drag. Uh, cool. Uh, so next week we are doing Afterlife with Archie, which is. Um, very quickly, I can say, um, basically the river, ha- the river, uh, river, Rivervale, Riverdale, Riverdale, Riverdale gang, uh, basically gets attacked by a horde of zombies led, led by Jughead at the Halloween dance, and uh, they have to attempt to survive the night. Um, it's a fun kind of twist on your standard Archie comics. Um, I like it. Q will hate it. It'll be fun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what am I going to do a book that you 
but I'm gonna <laughs> like. I feel terrible. No, it's. I know horror is not your thing, but it's it's October, and I wanted to do a bunch of horror yeah, themes. No, stuff. and I I get it, but I'm also just like Archie. Ugh. Actually, that was my first response when I first heard about it. But uh, everyone who's read this says it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, so. it's it's not your typical Archie. It's like the whole thing. They've done a revamp on Archie in uh, in the last few years, and this is kind of part of that. And it's it's actually really. Yeah, fun. I know. What, what, one of my friends works for the Archie guy. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. He's he's been trying to get me to read Archie books for you. So, Anthony, you're welcome. I'm I'm reading an Archie comic book next week. <laughs> uh, fantastic. Uh, so, anyway, I guess that'll do it for this week. Uh, and uh, thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. This band of knuckleheads will be back next week with a new episode. Until then, you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr as Funny Books and Firewater. And on Twitter as at FirewaterCast. Go to FunnyBooksAndFirewater.com for the most up-to-date information. As well as cocktail recipes from this and past episodes. Thank you for joining us. And until next week, support your local comic shop. Tip your bartender well. And stay hydrated.